amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. From the station bringing you every Broncos game. Touchdown, Denver! This is Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports on KOA. Snyder legacy. Like, if Lamar takes off in Washington, everybody's going to remember in a few years. Oh, Dan Snyder made that move, actually. He gets the legacy. He doesn't care about the draft picks. He nope. don't own the team anymore. Wave bye-bye to the league as you're going out. Wave bye-bye might be the kindest euphemism for what we were actually talking about there. Benjamin Albright, Nick Ferguson. It's the Broncos Country Night here on KOA 50 AM, 94.1 FM. Five six six nine zero is the text line. You guys want to get involved in the conversation? I had a few good texts. We'll get to those. Thanks to Steve Atwater joining us in the last hour. Always love talking to Steve. You watched uh, some of the combine on TV back here. Yeah, I, I, I did. Uh, I wasn't fortunate to uh, sit in the room with uh, a nice little blanket to shield my arms from uh, the shivering cold, as though I saw you on social media. But yes, I, I did watch the, the combine. And the combine coverage is always uh, interesting. I always tune in to see if they're going to do something a little different than they've done in previous years. Now they did this whole thing with NFL Plus, having mm-hmm. a bunch of former players out, out there on the field going over uh, the activities and giving their background stories. So it's always intriguing. And and for me, it's it seems as though every single year, the topic is all is always about the quarterback position, mm-hmm. right? Who are the quarterback prospects who are coming out? What are their measurements, hand size? But for me, the one thing I, I kind of looked at when the guys went into the the, the the quarterback drills with the wide receivers, I didn't even look at their arms. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of part of it then, but my eyes were immediately drawn to the footwork of the quarterbacks. Because for me, I feel, and I've never played quarterback other than playing in the backyard with my brothers, right. but I've always felt as though it wasn't primarily just about the arm itself. Mm-hmm. If your footwork is awful, most likely your ability to throw the ball consistently is going to reflect that as well. So that's, that's where I, my eyes were drawn. We, we've seen that up close and personal. I mean, yeah. Drew Locke here in the last couple of years had horrible footwork, and that was part of the problem with the you know, spray and pray uh, style of throwing that he had. <laughs> spray and pray. <laughs> going on. Yeah, I mean, it was. You know, it was the thing. Like, he had all the arm talent in the world, but the problem was he would never get his base set. He wouldn't be pointing his feet where he wanted the ball to go, and that's yeah. why the ball spraying off. And, you know, and it didn't help that he didn't see, you know, lurking under, you know, linebackers and all that kind of stuff either. But, you know, I, I mean, that's part of it. And so that it is. There are There is a biomechanical element to playing quarterback. You know, and it's, it's, it is having the right footwork and the proper base. And, and so that you're able to generate the maximum amount of torque and, uh, and get the ball from point A to point B as quickly and as accurately as possible. Uh, watching those guys out there, I mean, Anthony Richardson had a heck of a workout. He really did. I mean, a monster of a workout. But then you go to the throwing session and you see a guy who's inconsistent with his ball placement. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud is hitting every rep exactly the same way. You know, and you could tell. And that's, that's the thing about the, the workout versus going back to the tape. You know, and I think there are elements of that throwing session that are disingenuous uh, because obviously you got no pass rush. 
you know, and if you're doing that, then I would say Bryce Young would be the guy to watch because C.J. Stroud struggles a little bit with pressure. He got better as it went on. You look at the last couple of games he had, especially the game against Georgia, that might have been his best ever game. That's your only exposure to C.J. Stroud. You're thinking he's all world. But then you go back and you watch some of the other games, you're like, wow, this guy was wildly inconsistent under pressure. Well, even with that being said, Ben, for, for me, watching every single piece of tape that you can find on draft prospects, especially quarterbacks, you want to make sure you look at every single thing. And I want to see a growth in the player. Like you mentioned the game against Georgia. Yeah, when you look at that game, you'll say, wow, this, this guy is an extraordinary quarterback as a quarterback. And I, I, I thought C.J. Stroud was, was a, a heck of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But when you play against a team like Georgia that was constantly in the college football playoffs, that says a lot. And I know at the Combine, everyone was kind of enamored when they saw Will Levis and how he was built out, mm-hmm. right? You got the sleeves off or yeah. whatever. And listen, at this point, when guys have had two months to prepare, they're gonna look. They're gonna. They should look good. Well, that's, right? that's a part of it. That's why guys test better at the combine. They show on tape. You know, you got two months to prepare for. It. They've been prepared. They've been schooling for it. Exactly. And the one thing I hope that they do change when it comes to the throwing session, because for me, and I might, if I sound a little bitter. And I sound a little biased. Mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that is because there is a very unrealistic drill in football. We see it all the time. And there are a lot of people who have turned these into social media viral videos doing one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the most unrealistic drill that you can do because you're not putting a timer on that quarterback to force him to get the ball out in a certain amount of time. Which comes to your point, watching the guys in the throwing session – there's no pass rush, there's no linebackers, there's no defensive linemen in your way. So how do we truly know that you are an effective passer? We have to go back to the tape. Right. We have to watch that. What is it like for you as a quarterback when you are under duress? And when you start to struggle, do you have the ability to fight outside of that? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I, I was definitely looking at. But Will Levis, I mean, he, he really... Uh, really made people stand up and uh, recognize his name because he showed off just a little before yeah. the throwing session. Sun's out, guns out, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, yes. But then, you know, he said, look, man, I'm here. I know I have a cannon and I'm going to, to, to show it off. Yeah, I'm going to let it rip. Yeah, and, and as though you should because in these types of situations, Ben, you have to be your own self-promoter. Mm-hmm. Your agent is not out there. No one's watching college tape of you at that time. All eyes are on you. So, I, I'm look, I wasn't upset with Will Levis when he started trying to self-promote himself. Right. This is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're auditioning for a job. Shouldn't you be promoting yourself? Out there? I mean, you want the job, right? Show me you want it. Be out there promoting yourself. Tell me about it. Yeah. Convince me. Make me choose you. And, and once again, it, it's, it's funny how the evaluation of players around this time, it, it is it's so slanted sometimes. Like for Will Levis to say that about himself, some have said as though he was he came off a little cocky. But isn't that what you're looking for as your franchise quarterback? Yeah. If you're looking for someone that's a little cocky, that has a little edge to him, mm-hmm. that I know that if he gets behind the snap, he can go out and he I can he can lead our team. That that's what you're looking for, essentially. I want the guy who gets hit, the quarterback that gets hit, 
and gets back up and says, that was a good hit. Now watch what I can do. Not the guy who's like, oh, that hurt. I don't want to take any more of those. Yeah. And that's the difference between good quarterback and bad quarterback. You can find guys, you go back and you look at, the, and, and usually the bottom half of the league is littered with the guys like, oh, I don't want to take another hit. You, you can see it. You can, you can absolutely see it in their play. The body language, they get up after taking a hit like that versus the guys that pop back up. And like Phil Rivers used to be that guy. He loved it. Phil Rivers loved it. Phil Rivers, I, I know we hate him here in Denver, but Phil Rivers was a darn good football player. He was a darn good quarterback. He loved playing the villain like that. You know what? That was one of the guys in my time playing for the Broncos uh, and playing in this division, playing against Phillip Rivers. You know, mo like you said, mo most fans hated him. But as a competitor, I really liked him. You respected him. Yeah, because he talks trash, but he has a funny way of talking trash that <laughs> makes you laugh. Mm -hmm. God, du God damn it, Nick Ferguson. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what was that? <laughs> I mean, are, were you actually swearing at me? Because that's not what it sounds like, right? right? And, and we would do things intentionally to kind of get him to that point mm -hmm. where he kind of goes into that mode. But, I mean, he was uh, a competitor. Nobody was having more fun out there than Phil Rivers, though, especially yes. on the road because he loved being the villain. Andrew Luck did the same thing. He, after a good hit, he give you a slap on the backside and be like, yeah, that was, that was next time put some yeah. heat up. You know? but, but, but he wasn't a Philip Rivers. No, he wasn't a trash talker no, like Rivers. But I'm just yes. saying, he's one of those guys that could take a hit, though. Like, And that's what I'm getting at. Quarterbacks that can take a hit generally and, and are the guys that, that get back up, they bounce back up, they're like, all right, they just got me now, I need to get them back. It's like what Steve was talking about with, you know, they intercepted my ball, now I'm flipping over the defensive side to get it from, right? Yes. That's that's generally, to me, the line of demarcation. When I'm going back and looking at tape, I mean, can the guy throw? I can tell him 20 throws if the guy can throw or not, right? And then you start to look, okay, can he do that? Can he hit these things? All right, now. How does he take it? What happens after he takes a hit? What happens after everything goes wrong? How does this guy do? Does he bounce back and go on the attack? Or is he a guy that kind of wilts and you need to put him back into the momentum? And that's the difference between a, a Derek Carr, who if he takes a hit, he kind of wilts a little bit and it takes him a little while to get back in there uh, versus, you know, a star quarterback in this league like Josh Allen. You hit him once, Josh is going to get back up and try to fire one deep on you. But see, that only comes with a wealth of experience. Mm -hmm. you, you have to go through that and... As a talent evaluator, you have to try to identify it in those characteristics in players when you're going through the draft process. Mm -hmm. and, and more importantly, at key positions that when we look at the league, you say, well, what are some of the top leadership positions? Quarterback is one yeah. because usually that's the face of your franchise. Right. The other position is linebacker, mm -hmm. right? You, you want both guys to be smart. You want them to be tough as nails, right? And you want both of those guys to be no-nonsense players because for me – I can't play with a passive guy. Right. I, I can't. That's why I loved playing against Phillip Rivers because he wasn't passive. Mm -hmm. He's going to talk trash. So now if you made a great tackle or an inception, he was going to elevate his level of game. Mm -hmm. So you had to elevate yours as a defender. And, yeah. and that's why I love playing, playing with him. And I'll, I'll add this as well. This is why I love playing with Plummer more than Cutler. Mm -hmm. And I don't hate Jake Cutler. Don't, don't, don't be mistaken. But there was a different type of attitude that Jake brought to our team opposed to Cutler. Right. And that's uh, and I, I'm totally with you on that. I, I'm in total agreement. I love the and I love the trash talking too. I mean, that's part of it for me. You know, it's like, okay, all right, now we get now we elevating each other. We're pushing each other to be better as far as that kind of stuff goes, because it you know, it comes back across like that. But you're absolutely right. And you need that out of an inside backer too. It, it, look at the great ones out there. Look at look at the guys that were great. Zach Thomas, Brian Urlacher, Luke Keekley, Patrick Willis. They all had that too. See, my guy was uh, Mike Singletary. Well, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, Mike Singletary. It, it, just just wa watching how he approached the game. And he wasn't the fastest linebacker. He wasn't the biggest linebacker. Mm -hmm. But 
as far as anticipation, mm-hmm. smarts, being able to lead men, I mean, that was your your coach essentially on, on the field. And that's the same way I looked at Zach Thomas. Glad he got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame because I, I had the opportunity to play against Zach. And Zach was just kind of that type of player because he didn't fit the typical linebacker, you know, measurements. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why when we start looking at, you know, evaluating players, I this is my own personal belief, Ben. I believe that you have to look outside of the measurements because you can find an outstanding player. Look at Alex Singleton, mm-hmm. for, for instance. He was brought in here just to be a special teams guy. Right. Right. Then all of a sudden, you know, someone gets injured, he's thrown into the line lineup, and now he leads the team in tackles. Right. Which, which I hope they, the team uh, brings him back. But this is what happens when we look at players. You have to change how you look at them. Mm-hmm. Right. We look at fit. It's not always about height, weight, and speed, but how do you fit within the organization? But how do you play on the field, and what's your attitude? Right. No, I, I, absolutely. And, and you, you know, you, you hit on that because the you know HWS height, weight, speed—that's the thing we see all the time from the combine and all that stuff. But I'm more of a you know heart, weight, and soul. Different kind of different kind of WHS or HWS there, you, as far as like how do you measure that? But that's how do you measure that? You yes. can't quantify it. So how do you qualify it, right? Because we either quantify or qualify things. So how, if we can't quantify it, if we can't measure that in that way, what do we do? We put it on the tape. We're like, all right, was this guy giving it? He didn't make every play, but was he trying to give effort every play? Was he out there? You know, what was he out there doing when uh, when they were down an insurmountable lead? They're down four scores in the fourth quarter. Is this guy still out there hitting or is he just mailing it in trying to, you know, trying to get out of this game? And th- these are the things that you have to really look at, which brings me to a very interesting point. I mean, the start of free agency started today with the franchise tax, mm-hmm. right? Now, with with free agency looming, there's obviously the question, Draymond Jones. Mm-hmm. The team did not put the tag on him. Right. So now he's getting a chance to hit the market and see, well, what's the dollar f- for him? Mm-hmm. And, and now listen, I'm all for any player getting paid. But if you were to assess Draymond Jones... Do you think that this is a great decision by the team not to franchise him and let him hit the open market? I do. I'm okay with letting him walk. Why? Multiple reasons. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to bag on the man because he's playing at a, at a level that I never even sniffed. But at the same time, I don't feel like I like Draymond Jones a lot. I always had a great time interviewing him. Lucked watching him on the field. Didn't feel like he was as productive as he could have been against average or better competition. I felt like he beat up on bad players and put to put the numbers up. I felt like sometimes he ran round blocks instead of through them, was always pass rushing instead of holding his gap. I think there were there were elements to his game that I'm like, man, you know, I, I think you can get 85% of the production for 60% of the money. Mm. That's very uh, interesting. And listen, I'm not here and I'm not trying to bash or will not bash Jeremiah Jones, because once again, I'm all about players, you know, getting paid. And I think he's a good player. Yeah. I hope he gets paid. Right. I absolutely hope he gets the top dollar. Always will. Right. But I don't think they should do that here. Right. Because now we're starting dealing with the business of football and which is hard for a lot of fans to separate the two mm-hmm. because the idea is that this team did not perform well last season mm-hmm. and you have to make some tough decisions. Even some of your favorite players could find themselves on the outs. Like, I mean, Steve talked about, you know, what happened with him and how Mr. B and Mike Shanahan called him. Right. And I found myself on a different team after playing for here for five years. So this is part of the business. So now is what's the next step for the Broncos? So let's go hypotheticals. 
We would like Draymond to come back. But let's just say if Draymond is not back, mm -hmm. what would you like to see happen? Go out. I mean, you the free agency, uh, maybe a Zach Allen. I uh, played with Vance Joseph down there in Arizona, got similar production numbers, is going to command significantly less salary. You could probably get him at $10 million per, where, where uh, Draymond's going to cost you $20 million a season. Um, and, and so if you can get a guy like that, and I think Allen's a little bit stronger too. I, th I think Draymond's best role is, is that under, under tackle in a 43, you know, four-man front. He's been playing kind of that, you know, he's been playing a defensive and a three-man front. I don't think that's his best position, to be honest with you. So for me, I, th I think that if you can find somebody who can fill that role, who can hold up and do those kinds of things for that kind of money, why not? And is it worth it for us to maybe get a, a center like an Ethan Pochich and a Zach Allen for what it would cost for Draymond? I don't know. Guys, listen to Broncos Country Night. Benjamin Albright, Nick Ferguson. We'll be back after this. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the station bringing you every Broncos game. Touchdown, Denver! This is Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports on KOA. When we look at the league, say, so well, what are some of the top leadership positions? Quarterback is one. Yeah. Because usually that's the face of your franchise. Right. The other position is linebacker. Mm -hmm. Right? You, you want both guys to be smart. You want them to be tough as nails. Right, and you want both of those guys to be no nonsense players. I bet you got it twisted, you don't know who to trust. So many player hating trying to sound like us. Say they ready for the fuck. Welcome back, Broncos Country tonight. Survive tonight, Grant. 56690 is the text line. Got some great texts in here. Get some of those here in a minute. 303 713 Or you can leave us a message on the iHeartRadio app. You just stream the station, click on the microphone, leave us a talk back. Always love getting those. On the text line, a lot of good questions here. The 623, would Frank Clark be a fit and an option for the Broncos? Thank you all for all you do. Uh, I don't think so. Frank Clark's more of a four-down lineman end than he is really kind of the 34-edge rusher that the Vance uses. I think he's a hand-in-the-dirt guy more than he's a stand-up guy. And not just that, Ben, just the fact of Financially, it doesn't right. work out. I mean, you already have Randy Gregory. You and Barrett Browning. Of, yeah, you have a bunch of young guys that you want to go out and spend more money on that side of the ball for an edge rusher when you need help on the offensive line. It sounds great. I, I, I would love to kind of fantasy football the whole situation and squeeze them in, mm -hmm. but uh, it doesn't work out from a money standpoint. Yeah, this is Madden. We can't just get everybody on the roster no, and, we then, <laughs> and, and then they go. Um, plus, I don't think he's a scheme fit, but that's the thing. The 7 2 what a visual. Kickers doing bench presses. Talk about the combine, watching the kickers <laughs> lift and stuff. 
It's always funny to me. And then you have like this one every year. You have like some special teams guy, a punter or something, who comes in and rocks out like twenty four on the bench, and you're just sitting there like, dude. <laughs> and we have a punter that ran like four six last year or something like that. I think, I, I think we did. But he, but here's the thing about it. I mean, I mean how, punt, but you know, right? But how much how much action are the punters and the kickers actually receiving? No one's really talking about them. Right. So you have to find a way to make yourself stand out. Yeah. So if you can make yourself stand out in the bench press, you might, might as well because no one thinks about a kicker in that particular way. Well, right. Or I got a 4-6, you know, 40 punter. This guy can make tackles if somebody gets beyond the, you know. Jake Camardia. Jake Camarda yeah. ran a 4.56 40-yard dash at the mm. 2022 combine. And where's he playing now? That I don't know. The XFL? Can he kick? That's the real question. Well, well see that see it sounds great. A kicker that's that runs that fast. So you mm. think he can get down the field. Yeah. But here's the other big element, guys. I mean, at some point you're gonna be forced to tackle. Right. And that's right? So can he I don't know if he can tackle, but I mean you're just thinking if that guy out of speed, maybe you can nudge him. You know, yeah, I don't know. For me, I mean, you want to excite me? You want me to get excited about a kicker? Mm-hmm. Show me you can run down and tackle. Yeah. Playing for the Bucks. With Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Oh, okay. All right. So he made the league. All right. I gotta admit, I haven't kept up with my NFC South punters. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. For the seven one nine. Wouldn't the incline bench be a more useful test? For example, put yourself in athletic position, stick your arms straight out, now stand straight up, incline position. Thoughts? I, I, yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't think that they're really. I, to me, it's more about. I mean, the bench is a, a muscle endurance thing. It's not really. Uh, it's not football useful in that regard. I'm trying to think of the the last guy I thought that just mopped up on the bench that had a great career. The only guy I can think of was Igor Olshansky. The defensive lineman for the Chargers. You remember yeah. him? That guy was a wrecking crew. Uh, he murdered the bench. Something like 49 reps on the bench or something. It was it was ridiculous. I think he got up and threw the bench after <laughs> he was done or something. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, from the 201, saw Donovan Smith was cut today. Of course, the tackle by the Bucks And James Hurst, maybe a cap casualty following the David Carr, I think he means Derek Carr, signing. Do you think either or both, depending on what's happened with Garrett Bowles, are possible targets for the Broncos? Uh, I think that Caleb McGarry and Mike McGlinchey are probably, if you're looking at a tackle, I think probably more likely. I'm not going to say no. I mean, you know, it's Donovan Smith. He can play. I mean, if, if the number, the number's right, the Broncos be all over him. But see, that's the biggest thing there. It, it's the numbers. And usually that first week of free agency or that opening day, we see a lot of guys go uh, off the board as far as veteran guys. And if you're willing to take less money mm-hmm. with the idea, once again, you got you to think long-term, right. not, not short-term. If you take less money to play with a team like the Denver Broncos, maybe one-year, two-year deal, you, you, you're going, you have to say to yourself, well, the team should play much better than they played the previous year, mm-hmm. right? So, so if you're on the winning team, the team makes the playoffs. I'm not even talking about Super Bowl. They make the playoffs. Now you've played yourself in a position where you can get a second or maybe even third contract. Mm-hmm. So hopefully some of those guys out there are def- definitely thinking about that. But I love the idea. And, you know, you and I are on the same page because uh, we mentioned that earlier, you know, several you know weeks ago about Mike McGlitchy at the right tackle position. Mm-hmm. Now the question is whether Kyle and John are going to allow him uh, to leave the building. They have a great left tackle. Great left tackle, probably one of the better left tackles in this league. But if you were to add a guy like Mike McGlitchie, it will help this team. But here's another way that the Broncos can help themselves, even if they don't go out there and get one of the, I guess, top right tackles in the league. Mm -hmm. 
just watching the draft, we saw a lot of big tight ends run well. Yeah. Guys who are both flex tight ends, but guys who can be your inline blocking tight end as well. Mm-hmm. So if if they're not able to go out and secure a top right tackle as though they want to, you can always go and get one of these guys. And the reason why I say that, because when I played here for the Denver Broncos, there was a guy by the name of Dwayne Carswell. Well, yeah. Right? We called him House. Mm-hmm. Right? And he doubled as an offensive tackle and a tight end at the same time. Mm-hmm. You throw a tight end in the, in the mix, I'm talking about a true inline blocking tight end that has the versatility to open him up in, in the pass game. Now you've saved yourself essentially some money from a tackle standpoint, and you can go out there and you can build depth at the position. Yeah, if you can find a guy like that. Inline tight ends very rarely exist anymore, though. Everybody's kind of that off-the-line, why, you know, glorified receiver. In fact, the Broncos signed one today, little Jordan Humphrey. Guy played for Sean Payton uh, over there in New Orleans, played for the Patriots last year. Uh, he's 6'4", 225, a little light. Uh, but he's, um, you know, he's kind of a receiver, tight end, hybrid guy. He's known for his blocking. He started off as in high school, he's a running back, but he just kept growing. They converted him to receiver. Uh, he's, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife guy, makes good, good, tough, contested catches, but he's known for his blocking ability in the run game. That's just really one of the things he's known for. And that and playing, you know, gunning on special teams. So, um, you know, yeah, I totally agree with you. You can find a guy like that. The question is, do those guys exist anymore? When's the last time you saw a true inline guy that doubled like that? I'm trying to, like, maybe O.J. Howard had the body for that? Yeah, it, it's it's rare, but if you look at some of the guys coming out this year, could they play that role? Yes. Would you or could you depend on them like 90% of the time? You don't have to because you know this. All you have to do is hold and block a guy 1-1,000, 2-1,000 and let him go. Mm-hmm. And after a while, what happens with defensive players they're thinking about getting downhill and getting to their spot. Mm-hmm. And they're look, constantly looking in the backfield. And now you hit them with a couple of slam and release plays. And what I mean is that you block down and then you just kind of fall into the flat. Now you can take advantage of those guys. So you don't really have to find one of those true, true inline blockers, but a guy who has great feet and he uses his feet and hands in tandem with one another. Mm-hmm. And now that gives you an opportunity to do that because let's, let's not be mistaken. Sean Payton wants to run the ball. He, that's To be honest with you, and that's, it, it's good that you say that because to be honest with you, that's he's known as like this creative offensive guy and people think that means about slinging it all over the yard. Really, he's been creative up front with how he schemed up run fits. Yes. And when I think about this kind of the correlation between Sean Payton and that of my former coach, Mike Shanahan, to me, these guys are still cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. They want to use the run game to open up the pass game. And just think about, you know, Drew Brees and his time with the Saints. He was not a mobile quarterback. He was thinking throw first, run second. So with that type of creativity you bring in here with Sean Payton, now you're talking about play action. And the one thing that he was great at doing is scheming up those play action type of plays to allow Drew Brees, who was not quite six feet, the ability to throw the short, the intermediate, and throw the ball deep past the safeties. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, trying to find a guy like that, like Carswell, like finding a body like that, they just don't exist anymore. I mean, if you look at the draft eligible tight ends, there's one, maybe two guys in this draft class that are over 250 pounds at tight end. 
but you don't, but you don't have to be, you don't, you don't have to be a 268 270 guy well there's only two guys that are over 260 I mean it's Noah Gindorf and Darnell Washington Washington from Georgia he's gonna be long gone by the time yes. Broncos draft so Noah Gindorf is really like your option if you're looking for a guy that fits that body type but the way I look at it Ben is I played with another guy which is totally opposite from that of Dwayne Carswell mm -hmm. and that's Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp, Sharp. yeah now, Sharp would tell you that, you know, blocking is not his forte. But the one thing he understood well was all I have to do is get in the way for a couple of seconds. Mm -hmm. And that's all you have to do. Like, when I look at games from last year of Albert Okawebanam, the reason that he struggled was because he didn't block with his feet and his hands together. Yeah. It was almost like, you know, my feet stop, my arms reach out, and I duck my head, there's a lunge, and now there's an arm over move, and now you're behind the defender. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is keep your feet and your hands together. It's almost like if, if, I, if I were to put you in a chair and I, told, and I tied your hands and your feet to the chair until you get to the door, it is that type of motion. That way your arms and feet are still inside your body and they're working in unison together. That's all you have to do. Well, blocking is two things. It's a, it's technique and an attitude, right? You got to be willing to make the block. Yeah. And then it's technique on top of that. And the reason I know that is because I had a 180-pound guard in high school. Right? 180-pound guard in high school. And I'm telling you, this was the most tenacious, like, get-up-in-your-mess dude you ever met. And he just had the technique down. And so unless you just were really good at what you were doing and not take, he was Putting it to you at a hundred and a buck eighty. Did you guys pull a lot? Because it seemed like at a, we, a we buck started, eighty. We started to do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, After they figured him out, like, yeah. I'm like yeah, a buck eighty. We got to get get him outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the same. But he was, you know, I mean, he was. Uh, granted, he was a sophomore at buck eighty, but he, he put on weight later on. But I was a little, but 180 pounds of guard. I mean, like, dude. But he just had the technique and the tenacity. And and I've noticed over the years that that if you got those things, it'll cover a lot of warts. You know, you can be a, you can be a sharp. We're not the biggest guy in the world, but you've got the technique, the tenacity and the mindset that, Hey, I just got to reroute this guy for a couple seconds to give my quarterback time. You know what? I, I feel blessed because I played in an era of football where there were some great tight ends. Now these tight ends were not like the best blocking tight ends, but they were willing to do it. Mm -hmm. When I, I think about, you know, Antonio Gates, Shannon Sharp, right? Antonio Gonzalez, mm -hmm. all great tight ends. And you normally think about those guys as pass catching, you know, tight ends, but they were decent blockers. And that's all you had to do. Just showing that you can just get in the way. I, you know, it reminds me of a time, you know, in practice, a practice against Sharp. And Sharp was so funny because he would kind of tell you his routes before he would actually run the route. Mm -hmm. Right. And you wouldn't really believe that he's going to tell you, but he would tell you. Yeah. Right. And another thing I didn't like is that he would push off too. Right? <laughs> he would never admit that, but he 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 would push off. But it was it was a subtle veteran type push off where he would allow you to come into his body. Mm -hmm. But when he knew he needed to separate on that shallow route, mm -hmm. he would give you a step and push you and use your momentum to propel him forward. Yeah, S savvy guys. And you, do you use the shoulder at all and not extend the? No, no. What 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 he would do is like. You know, like say if you had your fist and you put it right, right in the hip yeah, yeah. of someone, okay. and right. just use the fist and just kind of push out. Yeah. So the official will never really see the extension. Mm -hmm. So because playing with those guys, I learned how to cover tight ends. Now I'm not going to say that I ever mastered it. Yeah. Because I just gave you the name of some guys who are Hall of Fame tight ends and right. one who should. But this is the way that Sean Payton should think about building his team, especially from a tight end standpoint. Because when you look at up where, where I'm going to say they're free yards, right, on the field, it's over the middle of the field. 
right between the hashes because mm -hmm. the safeties are always going to play deep because they want to make sure that you, you, they don't have anyone running past them. Mm -hmm. The linebackers are only going to drop so far. That's why you give them play action. They have to make sure they step up for that play action. That area behind them mm -hmm. and in front of the safety, that's money. Yeah. That's money right there. Yeah. That's, uh, um, and by the way, we got a uh, 303. Nick, it was Tony Gonzalez, not Antonio. And don't forget your pal, Nate Jackson. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio. It's the same thing, well, I was right? Say, they're both former basketball players that came out to, yeah. Yes. And then I'm sure if you call, if you had a friend named Antonio, he probably would tell you his name is Tony. Tony. Yeah, so, right. Okay. Thank you for the correction, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. all great tight ends. Yep. And you need tight ends to kind of help you out in the run games because they are extensions because basically what they are, are they not extra linemen? That's what they are. Right. It's a combination lineman with receiving ability. Although even today they've become glorified you know, receivers that you know, hope can block a little bit. Um, it'll be interesting to see because one of the things that Sean Payton does in the offense is he, he involves the tight end a lot. Like the tight end is usually the second or third leading target getter in that offense. It's usually the wide receiver, the tight end, the running back. The second wide receiver is usually the number four or five guy that's getting targets over there. So you got to be able to catch the football, but in order to be able to catch the football, you're going to have to be in there and showcase that you can run, that you can block in the run game because the run game is going to be the foundation for all of it. And, and, and once again, you don't have to have a PhD in blocking. Mm -hmm. Can you maintain and sustain your block for at least 2.5 seconds mm -hmm. to make the defense actually commit? Because when you go back and look at some of, you know, Sean Payton's offenses when Jimmy Graham was there, when Jared Cook was there, right? Right off the play action, you're absolutely right. They are usually that second or third option. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for a quarterback because guess what? I can see you. You and your direct line You're right of sight. There. Yeah. Yes. So that's why if you are tied in for the Denver Broncos, you have to be excited. Mm -hmm. You have to be excited about the possibility of your numbers going up. The only person who might not be might be Albert Okawebuna because he hasn't shown that he can consistently catch the ball. Yeah. And to be honest with you, the signing today, everybody was talking about, well, you know, who does this bump off as a receiver with Lil Jordan Humphrey? And I'm like, I don't know that it bumps a receiver off. It might bump Albert O off because like you were talking about with those tight ends, it can be a glorified tackle. Isn't that what uh, Eric Tomlinson was brought in here to be? That's what he was for the Jets. 270 pound, big body tight end who could be that third tight end and also a glorified kind of tackle out there to run behind. And that's all you need. A guy who kind of, like, like Sharp would say, Get in the way. Yeah. All you want to do is get in the way because when you start running those tight end screens, mm -hmm. it works perfect because no one's expecting you to get the ball. Right. And they can throw it to you. That now you're dealing with uh, a second and five or, 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 or a second and four situation. That's a manageable down if you're in offense. And and then when you talk about just a guy leaking out, mm -hmm. that, that's great. I mean, let's be totally honest. Travis Kelsey and Kansas City Chiefs, They've made that play, whether it's called or whether they just do it on their own, very popular. And it's worked out well for them. Right. Right. And that's and that's sort of the thing. I mean, he's a rare, you know, almost impossible specimen to find in terms of the body type and the and the athleticism and everything else that he does. But, you know, if you can if you can replicate that, you've got guys on this roster that can replicate some of that production and can replicate some of what he does. And in worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out with those guys, find a new one. Stick Oh, Timmy Patrick in a slot. I'm not opposed. I love the heavy slot. There you go. I love the heavy slot. I'm here for it. You no, know, we're here for.
little bit of a break, but we'll be back. Broncos Country Night here on KOA, 850 AM, 941 FM. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 